This is the audio podcast with Samuel Freeman and Scott Hewitt. This is um, show four of the audio podcast, and we're calling this Lacking the Main Course. Because we've got a few things to talk about, but, well, we'll let whichever one becomes the main become the main. I think that's going to be a better way to go, otherwise we'll, yeah, we seem to have a habit of dwelling on things that we don't expect to dwell on, like the intro. Indeed, like the intro. And this time, we're actually, we're going to try and go a little bit quicker through stuff and not take quite as long because the last one was very long and we didn't intend it to be that way. So we're going to just jump straight in. Obviously, the new MacBook's turned up. Um, It's always nice when a new MacBook turns up, I guess. I have a really old one, which does everything I want it to do anyway. But they do have Thunderbolt on them. So what is Thunderbolt? Uh, it's 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 the new interface, isn't it? It's the new the new fancy interface. I think the most exciting thing about Thunderbolt is the uh, backwards uh, compatibility options that it's actually got to offer us. Uh, Thunderbolt is crazy fast, uh, massive amounts of bandwidth to to the extent where everything that's been previously can be pushed down Thunderbolt, and I think that's definitely the kind of line people are taking. So, um, you know, I mean, you're going to be able to do FireWire 400, FireWire 800 across Thunderbolt. It's going to be possible to do fiber channel in and out across Thunderbolt as well. I suspect that you'd be able to put USB down it as well, though I think USB isn't really under threats as much as, a say, a FireWire interface. So yep. I guess that might be a slightly later kind of option. But I think it's a really exciting kind of technology. Um, as is typical Apple, you know, they basically rolled out a an interface where there's no product for it at the moment. But they did the same thing with FireWire, didn't they? And, you know, that kind of worked out. It did, although now that... Yep, we've all got it. Well, I've got a FireWire interface, and it's becoming increasingly difficult to plug it into things. So this this sounds like it's good for keeping things alive a little bit longer. Yeah, well, I also guess that uh, Thunderbolt's going to be good for offering, you know, offering backwards compatibility, but also kind of keeping that sort of specialist high performance interface available to people. Because I, I joke about this all the time, but USB was designed for mice and printers, and you know. USB two was basically USB with a little bit, a little bit more speed. So it's still designed for mice and printers, which isn't what I'm looking for in my sound card. I need always works, definitely works, doesn't not work. It doesn't lose its concentration on what it's doing in order to wonder if your mouse is still there. Yeah, precisely. And that's just you know, I mean, so for me, that's the most exciting thing is the fact that you know, FireWire has been under threat for a whole variety of reasons, and Apple are definitely kind of saying, you know, with Thunderbolt, and it'll be available on the PC platform as well, it's an Intel technology basically, you know, with Thunderbolt we'll be able to go back to, you know, you'll be able to run FireWire with confidence knowing that Thunderbolt machines will run FireWire probably for the near future, if FireWire does disappear off some machines, but then also know that there will be a high-performance, you know, High, high performance kind of interface available for professional audio, professional video, all of these sort of capacities. Um, that was the main driver for Thunderbolt, actually, was the video. It was the cinema displays and getting down to a single connector because they were feeling as if they were exhausting the video video adapter options. Well, so. there's, there's all sorts of video stuff out there. So will it, be, will it be a case where you'll have a single Thunderbolt connection going from, say, your computer into your home home cinema and it'll send the video down and the surround audio all in one cable or is that not going to be the way it'll go i guess it'll probably get there <laughs> you could do that you can do that with an hdmi port right now but i guess 
you know, it's we're, we're, hey, this isn't like an this isn't a kind of home cinema thing here, but I will, yep. But I, I think probably the point the point to stress there is the fact that HDMI is good for 1080p, isn't it? Which mm. and 1080p is a fairly lousy screen resolution, actually. It is. It always amazes me this the you know our, our high def you know high def video is basically kind of you know would have been a poor screen resolution ten years ago in computing. So it's it's an interesting thing. But then the bandwidth requirement's huge, even for that. 1080p, you're doing 24 frames a second. You, they're, they're big picture. That's a big picture. Lots mm. of very quickly done, isn't it? So, you know, they were getting bandwidth problems, and I think Thunderbolt is going to be the kind of good solution to it. So while we're on the subject of quality, bring it back to audio, since that's what we're here for. 24-bit um, things. I understand there's another... Well, we're going to have to try and have a few Apple... A few, a few fewer Apple-related stories in future, but Apple Insider. There was a Apple looking to offer higher-quality 24-bit music on iTunes. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you care? Um, not really, because... Well, I don't really use iTunes for purchasing music anyway. Um, but then uh, consider it from this point of view. So I, I guess the idea is right now you get this, like, you know, 16, 44.1 16-bit audio CD... And we yep. have this like horrifically compromised-ish MP3 thing. Mm -hmm. Would would you prefer to get a higher quality audio? Is anybody going to be able to tell when their laptop speakers and their multimedia speakers sitting on their desk and or I mean, on their little earbuds when they're walking the, down the side of a road? Which, well, and I, I know that people say bandwidth doesn't matter anymore because we got you know high speed broadband and hard drive space doesn't matter anymore because the hard drives are huge. I, I think that's a bit short-sighted because, you know, I still go somewhere and don't have quite enough room to take everything with me. So mm -hmm. having a bigger file which offers me well offers me better quality, though I have no way of actually hearing the better quality, just means I can take less songs with me. So I'm not sure how, how enthusiastic about the 24-bit file would be, especially if it's in some sort of MP3 or some sort of, you know, AAC, what would be AAC one presumes, sort of format. But it's interesting, I'm saying, would you rather have the kind of .wav or maybe a kind of .flac non-compressed high resolution? Would that be of more interest to you? you well, I wonder, I mean, to me, possibly, if, if I did have a swanky home theater set up with a nice surround sound system, then the difference between 16 and 24-bit might be noticeable in... Oh, it's, kind of it is noticeable. Oh, I, indeed, but, but... But then you need a proper, you, you need the kind of... The audio interface becomes an issue here as well, doesn't it? I'm saying, I'm, I'm not sure. You, you know what I mean? With a nice sound card, 16-bit audio sounds a lot better than it does with your built-in sound card, doesn't it? So 24-bit will be even better by a, a long way because if you're dealing with you know, high sample rate, 24-bit mm -hmm. stuff, then you've probably got a high-quality sound card as well. So the whole, the whole chain's going to be at a much higher quality of working. I, I personally, you know, I, I don't listen to MP3s while I'm walking down the side of the road thinking, oh, I wish this was high quality. I've, I can't recall ever having that experience. I, I do have that experience at home, though, but then that's why I still buy CDs. And, you know, I, rip, I, I have the CDs at full quality because yep. they're at full quality. They're not at a low quality, are they? So. You know, I, do, do you care? I, I suspect that the main, in, I suspect the driver behind here could be the fact that you might be able to sell a 24-bit file for more than a 16-bit file. Or you might be able to sell people an upgrade to 24-bit files of what they've already bought. Mm -hmm. And that might be a revenue stream. And I have my suspicions that that might be more. 
that might be the way it's going. That might be the reason for this. You know what I mean? Let's all rebuy our iTunes libraries in 24-bit rather than 16. I don't know. That That's my guess. That's my guess. It, it would be a better quality file. Well, yeah. And if you're in a quality listening, listening environment, then maybe that's, you know, iTunes and quality listening environments are not things I associate together. Maybe they just, you know, if they're moving to close that gap, then fair play. Yeah, fair enough. I guess so. So a, a more, uh, a, you know, hey, let's link it together. So, you know, going away from iTunes here, let's think about some other online music providers. Well, yep, yeah, I, um, I use Spotify. I listen to most of my stuff on that. I think I do have the higher quality option selected. So it's streaming at the higher bit rate. But again, I'm not listening to pop music critically. I listen to it in the background. It's just on. And yeah, I'm happy with it. I, I subscribe to Spotify. I paid. I didn't want to, don't want to listen to adverts. I want to be able, but I really enjoy the searchability and the, the access you have to all sorts of things and offline playlists are great because I have very slow internet access at home. We live quite a long way from the telephone exchange and there's definitely no fiber optics under the ground nearby. So yeah, streaming or even even streaming audio, never mind video, is will certainly stop you from loading other web pages at the same time, put it that way. Hmm. Yeah, definitely so. Um, I, I listen to Spotify. I like just the ability to kind of grab a whole variety of sound files and just work with them as I as I as I need, you know, as as I want to. And I can listen to anything. It's really useful for a whole variety of concepts. Um, a new service recently launched was uh, Beyond Oblivion. Yep, that came, that was last week. That was announced. I think that's. Yeah, this is. Um, I'm saying there's been a lot of chat about them due to the fact they've managed to secure a, a big tranche of funding from the news corporation. Mm. So they've got some serious kind of financial backing behind them now. Um, I'm saying looking at what they're offering there, their their idea is that you you buy a fee which is embedded in the cost of the device, and that entitles you to access to the music for the. Well, it, it suggests for the lifespan of the device, but somewhat I doubt that would. I doubt that would be a long-term solution to unless the they're building the devices with the model of this will not work for more than a year or two. It's, it's going to kind of getting into the phone world one year and it's dead sort of. Yep. Sort of idea. Well, this seems like the kind of thing that they would be embedding into telephones. So this is so unlike. Okay, let's recap that. So Spotify, if you want the full thing, then you're paying a monthly subscription. Whereas this is oh, there is a free service which has a yes. adverts and a limited number of listening hours. Yep. Cool. Um. Whereas this is you buy a device of some sort, mobile, and a a portion of the cost of that device will go towards this service, which is then essentially free when you're using it. It's all paid for, and you can... Well, it's, it's paid for by the device purchase ahead of time, okay. isn't it? That's saying, I think, like, people like Nokia and Zune have all tried this sort of... I've tried this sort of thing and it's not really succeeded yet, mainly because I, I guess you've got to look at the cost of the device and mm. how much it adds up to it. Because if you know your option is you can have an MP3 player, an MP3 player that costs very little, and then you can buy stuff as you want it, or more accurately, most people go and swipe stuff as they want it, as opposed to a buy an MP3 player which is three times the price of everything else. 
that's it's a lot of additional outlay for the device and especially when devices are have so much kind of coolness coolness on them anyway so it's like i've got my mp3 player but if another cool one comes out in six months time i want that one so do i really want to buy this kind of like because the longer i run the other one the more value for money it becomes but will it just become too old hat or will the device just not have the lifespan to make it Mm. perhaps that's the the issue um something that does intrigue me about both of these options though is the is the actual drm is the actual kind of drm lockdown that's in place there because obviously Spotify, you play the music in Spotify, you can pay for the privilege of bringing it out onto device, mobile devices. Yep. But it's still held within. There's no way to access those files other than through the Spotify interface. Yeah. And this is going to be exactly this beyond, uh, beyond Oblivion is exactly the same. You know, the the content is attached to the device, and that's it. There's no kind of movement between them. Which, so it's kind of interesting that this is, you know, whereas iTunes and the iTunes and Amazon and the buy buy an MP3, that world is really reject really moved away from the DRM op- DRM options now. That mm. these two providers are actually going, are actually directly plugged into a DRM model. I'm saying that's that's how it works. There would be no value to, there would be no business model if the DRM wasn't there because they wouldn't be able to. Why would you pay them for? You could just download everything in month one and then be done. Mm-hmm. So, except that what they're—I mean, you say download everything, but they're selling it on the idea of an infinite music library, which, because of the way they're constantly adding new things, it arguably is. I think the only thing to note, just uh, I, I noticed here, just as looking through um, a couple of bits about it, there, uh, Beyond Bolivian are talking about playing with advances, which are obviously an important kind of commercial tool for maintaining everything. And there's a lot more value for money on the advanced model as well. So you can, you know, you, you say, we'd like access to this, and this is how much we can pay you for this, for this access. And that gives a kind of guaranteed income, and also an ahead of time, a, an, an upfront guaranteed income, which is a lot more useful in terms of being able to fund artists or fund development in the music, of music as well, which is, you know, it's an encouraging kind of thing to maybe see there, sort of style, as, as an option rather than a, we're going to trickle the money in over time and that can be quite restrictive i think to some things definitely there's yeah it's it's always it's been a mystery for a few years how the music industry actually actually funds music you know there's all there's a, there's a lot of talk about selling the music but the the cost of making it and the cost of the people you know being alive and being a person that makes music is something which doesn't get a lot of attention, so it's good that this is, they're putting this into the fore and saying you're paying for this, and we're going to put some of your money directly into the production of the music that will eventually get into this library you're subscribing to. Hmm. So, well, we've got two directions we could go in. We could go now with this podcast. We can go either into talk about more hardware type things, devices, or more musicy things. And and where should we go? Let, 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 let's finish the let, let's do the hardware option as well because then we finished our little list you see we do pre-plan these shows Vaguely. but then reject the planning don't we so so um though i don't think there's an awful lot really to say here um it, it's more from a you know as people kind of probably picked up here i'm a motu hardware user motu have rolled out a new interface uh, the audio express um it's a uh, six in six out uh two of the two of the ins and two of the outs are digital so it's maybe not quite as immediately you know, mm-hmm. immediately useful as you possibly thought it was. When I first saw it, I was like, hey, that would be awesome. Then it's two in, two out digital. It's like, well, not so possibly. But it does have a set of cool dials on the front. So 
Um, <laughs> it has QMix built into it, so you can essentially mix, do a use it as a digital mixer. And unlike all the other ones, which have a, you either use a, a computer plugged into them in the software, or you read the manual and work out how you make the four dials do everything. This one actually has a dedicated dial for every input, and it's just you know, yep. more or less. So, so it's, it's basically it's a, yeah. you can run it in standalone as a digital mixer without a computer plugged into it at all. Yeah, and it's a small half U, you you know, half um, half size half rack size one U unit. So style, so it's nice and easy. You know, it's nice and easy to work with. Uh, it's got some big monitoring on the front of it as well. It looks like a great option. Um, having said that, I think it's pricing out only just below the ultralights, and the ultralights give you a lot more I/O for just a little bit more. So I'm not sure. I'm, you know I me. Mean? Yeah. I'm sure there's some people out there who are going to look at it and think this solves the exact problem I have. But I think a lot of people are probably going to look at it and think that the ultralights. For a little bit more, you get a lot more flexibility. For that sort of stuff. But then, you you know what I mean? Well, it, it's it's a nice option, and I think it's interesting to see these kind of bus-powered devices, kind of smaller, you know, well-built, w- with a good kind of sound quality to them. The more of them there are, the more choice we have, and that's going to be, you know, yeah. my performance practice, and people it's going to be a good choice. And just to counter your skepticism of the two of the inputs and outputs being digital, for the inputs especially, a lot of um, guitar effects pedals these days is all digital, and a lot of those do have SPD valves. So. Also, uh, yep. That's fair enough. I guess, I guess my 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 problem with the di- digital out in particular, I, w- I looked at this and thought, oh, this would be awesome for like a five point one, uh-huh. not for a five point one setup. And then I was like, oh, too digital. So I'd have. So to, actually, uh, you only have four analog. So four analog. I could use the headphones though. I guess headphone yeah. output probably. Bit of a hack, clue. I mean, it, it's a bit of a hack. So then I'm gonna have to go and buy some box to convert the spit if out to whatever I need it to go to. Yeah. And that that was you know that that was that was all it was. I was just thinking you know. If 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 I if I was given the option of having six analog outs and four analog ins, I think that would probably make this box as useful as having six in, six outs with two, you know what I mean? Two digital, two digital in, two digital outs. That that's all. That's just you know yep. if I was doing this, that's maybe how I'd like <laughs> it. That doesn't mean it's right, it just means it's high on it. So Sam, where were you gonna go next? Um Well, back onto previous topic from the other week. Um net Labels, Net Audio, Creative Commons Music. I came across a remix competition from the net label Block Sonic. Now, Block Sonic are a net label which releases Creative Commons music in various formats. And I don't just mean OG Flack and MP3 and Lossless Flack, but they do do that for every release. But, well, they also do compilations of stuff they found on the internet and original albums as well as EPs and maxi packs and things like that. So they've recently released an album by a band called Garmish. I downloaded the MP3 version of that. Comes with artwork and things in a little PDF. Oh, Had a little cool. listen. And the remix invitation project is to take from the page which is linked on the show notes every track has a zip download full of 24-bit WAVs so that you access all the parts of all of the tracks individually so you can so they're basically offering you the opportunity to remix from the uh, studio session exactly and is it just pure just pure WAV files there or is it yep uh, is there session the session information as well 
I think it's just the web files. I haven't got that far. You see, this is slow internet at home, downloading a bunch of MP3s. I'm up for that. Downloading 151 megabytes of 24-bit WAV. I'll leave that till I have fast internet access at work, which I haven't got around to doing. The thing that caught my eye most about this is though that is that the they want the submissions back to them to also be in 96 kilohertz 24-bit AIF or FLAC. So. Although we we started out being skeptical a little bit about the delivery of music at the point of sale being, you know, do we do people really mind if it's low or high? Whereas in during the production, high sample rates and high bit rate are important. And during the process of production, it really makes a big difference. Yeah, no, you're you're right, aren't you? It's yeah, you know that the high <laughs> The high quality stuff is more important. I'm just right, gonna. So I've, I've got to adjust my microphone. It's it's kind of sunk right down. I'm kind of. Hang on. Excuse the handling. Just give me there. give me a moment here. I'll. Uh, Are you gonna mute my input for a moment? There is. I I, I just no no no. It's just. I'll just do it. I mean, there we go. My, my, the sound. My, so my, Sam will resolve the microphone droop now. No, yeah, that wasn't too bad. Now was it? No, no. It's it's pretty good at rejecting them, not handling those actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so b- b- yeah, I'm saying ha- having having the higher the higher you know bit rate, the, yeah, that 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 the higher sample rate and bit, bit depth <laughs> on these things is cool, and it, it's it's good in the you know in in the production phase, and I think there's a lot to be said for that because if you have the higher quality stuff, then when you know if technology does move on or consumer demand does move on to the point where it requires the higher quality, you're ready to go and you can just do it. Yep, and I think that makes perfect sense. Like. You know, I mean, I I probably do most of my stuff now. at kind of I definitely definitely doing it twenty four bit. I'm not so sure about the higher sampling rates because it just seems to be a colossal amount. You get a lot. You have a lot more storage requirement. This higher sampling rate stuff. is um. So take for example, you, the say you want to do a time stretch. If you've only got forty four point one kilo samples per second and you want to take your thing and make it three times as long, then you're having to introduce a whole lot of extra stuff which the computer's just got to guess at. Whereas at if the higher sample rate, you've got a lot there. more. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's true. That, 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 that is true. I think from my point of view, when I'm not, when I'm very rarely am I recording stuff to do that kind of time stretching with. And as well, a that's just one example, just but an efficiency issue, yeah, yeah. All, all your plugins and stuff in modern DAO mm. do... So if there's anybody out there who's finding listening to our podcast at the uh, MP3 crushed kind of thing, then they could, they could contact us and we could, uh, you know, maybe just for fun, do a uh, high sample rate, high bit depth podcast recording just for fun, basically. And they could have that 96K 24-bit version. They could, and then they, they could they could mix it into this um, remix album and like oh. submit it and get it released by Block Sonic. You never know. That would be awesome. <laughs> but if you do, make 4th of August is when they want it by because they want to release this stuff in September. So it's quite a long run on that. And one last note on this, which I thought maybe, you know, we could play track from this album at the end. I thought that'd be good, except that the Creative Commons license it's under is attribution, non-commercial, no problem with that. But they also have the no derivative works part on the license. So for us to include it in this podcast would be a derivative of that. Is that right? Potentially, I think potentially. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go near. No, no. We, if, as long as we weren't altering the start and end points, and we didn't like kind of talk over the start of it, we'd probably be okay. We'd, I yeah. suspect. But I think if we were to, you know, 
if we were to like talk over it or like oh cut it short maybe start in the middle because we didn't like the beginning oh that would be a derivative work from it now that's interesting so okay we're saying stay away from it but they're saying go ahead and remix it they've put in an exception they said they're explicitly authorizing to use these remix packs these remix kits as they call them for the purposes of remixing and submitting so well yeah i'm saying that's the key thing about licensing i'm saying you know we have like we had you know we last time with cc hits guys we ended, i ended up talking we ended up talking a lot about licensing we re- revisit creative commons licensing but it's important to remember that you you know you you can relicense the same piece of work as many times as you want to in whatever form that you want to for whatever purpose you want to to whoever you want to whenever you want to as long as you are legally in a position of ownership of the work to be able to do that and that's the one thing that's that's the key element is the fact that you have to be the owner and if you're the sole owner or the if you're the sole owner as an individual or as an organization then it's obviously really simple to do that because you can just do it whereas if you know there's lots of things owned by lots of people then that becomes more and more more and more prohibitive and well more and more complicated and hence prohibitive because you just don't kind of look at it no so let's wrap it up what are we going to play at the end then yeah what are, what are we playing at the end uh, that's well we we some cc hits i guess uh, let's let's have jim across here i'm not fully prepared oh there is a new number one <laughs> and then cc hits here let me just uh bring it up here and we'll get some information we, we literally take oh wow yeah um so sam do you want to uh, pro- do you want to pronounce it okay how are we gonna say this then um so it's a it's a cc uh, it's licensed cc by um so attribution so let's attribute it so it's it's by here we go v-e-r-k-l-i-g-h-e-t-e-n-s-f-o-l-k the clagentons folk and the track is called horoscope I think it's important that I should stress that I don't know if that's how that's pronounced. <laughs> we really don't have a clue. You can check it out on CC Hits. Don't forget, if you like it, you can vote for it. If you want to vote for something else, you can vote for it there. If you've got your own music and you want to add it to CC Hits as well, just whack it up there and play it. It's, I've been checking it out, actually. I kind of enjoy it. It's kind of fun yep. voting for stuff. And, well. if, and let us know. If you're putting stuff up to that, let us know. We might like it. So, Yeah, for sure. We can, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if anybody has any feedback they want to get back to us, we didn't really end there very quickly, did we? We should have done. But if they have feedback uh-huh. for us, they can come back to us at theaudiopodcast.co.uk on Twitter. At the audio podcast. And if you want an email, you can find it on the web page. So feel free, send us some content. And if you've got something you want to talk about or you're sick of us just rabbiting on, then, you know, hey, let's get you on as well. We're always happy to interview okay. over stuff. Okay, let's play Horoscope.
Send 